some CRM statistics for like a CRM rollout has up as high as a 70% failure rate for implementation. That's huge. And so I think there's just a lot of thought that needs to go behind a software rollout. Even if it's a really simple software to use, there, there are steps and thought that needs to go behind it to really be able to make sure that it can be used successfully and that your team knows why you're using it and how to use it. And they know what the expectations are on using it. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Organized Chaos. As always, we're taking a page from a different leader's playbook so you can put it in yours as you build your own, and you just heard from Aaron Matthew. This episode's all about a roundtable discussion talking about unique ways to leverage training in your business and how to implement new software in your business, which surprisingly is something that a lot of people fail at. You would be surprised to hear the stat. Aaron Matthew is on a mission to create and document the processes that small businesses need to scale, hire, and train their teams. Her grit and love for systems led her to sell her first business and found Business Made Simple, her consultancy, in 2013. She's a serial entrepreneur, having worked with hundreds of small businesses worldwide. She's a member of our Process People community and a Trainual Certified Consultant. So I always love these roundtable conversations where we get other operators out there in the world coming on to give tips and just spitball ideas with me about how you can improve your businesses. So in this one, we talk about really unique ways that you can leverage training for training your customers, training your vendors, training volunteers, training guests at your house even. So training exists more than just inside our businesses. And we'll talk about a proactive approach that you can take to really fine tuning those experiences and saving yourself a lot of inbound confusion. And then we get into how to roll out software in your business. So if you've signed up for a software before, I'm sure you have dozens or hundreds of times, you know that not all of them succeed. So we dig into why that is, and we kind of recommend from both of our points of view, how you can make sure that you have someone championing this and make sure that you're working closely with the company or make sure that you find someone on the outside to help you make it a success. So dig in, enjoy this conversation, and we'll see you over there. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Organized Chaos. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio, and today we're here with Aaron Matthew. Hey, Aaron. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for coming on. So as I mentioned in the intro, Erin's one of our Process People members and a certified consultant. So I've invited her onto the show today so we can just have a pretty casual discussion about two different topics. So today we're going to be digging into unique ways to leverage training in your business. So I'm, I'm excited to get into those ideas. And then also why your last software rollout failed. So I love this topic. <laughs> we'll be talking about just how sometimes it's difficult to get software to stick. And so we can both share some best practices on uh, on how to make it work. Sound good? That sounds great. I'm happy to be here and, and chat about that. Cool. So you told me right before we hit live, hit, hit go, record that you're up in Utah, right? I am. Yes. And it is beautiful looking out at the green mountains today and uh, hoping for some fall soon. Amazing. Well, I today is my last official day in the high country of Arizona and Flagstaff where I've been the last three months. So I'm getting ready to head back to the 100 degree weather. So this is my last uh, <laughs> last hurrah <laughs> with you here. 
But uh, oh, good for you. I've lived in both Flagstaff and in Southern uh, Arizona, so I know I know the differences there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot better to be here in August. So I wish my kids didn't have to go back to school, but oh well, it is what it is. So unique ways to leverage training. I guess let's just dive right into it. So your first, your business is uh, is all about just making. Well, it's actually called Business Made Simple, right? That's right. Yep. We try to make business simple, uh, both internally and for um, clients that are working with your company. So I love ways. it. So so maybe based on some of your clients, what are some of the most unique ways you've seen people use training? Yeah, I think that Training is underutilized, especially when we're looking at looking at training uh, use externally. There's a lot of great ways that you can actually train your clients and train your vendors on how to help to work with you more smoothly. Because the truth is, you can never over communicate too much. <laughs> There's no way to to give your um, customers too much information on how to work with you. And so, really providing some external training can help to improve. In, um, efficiency and also to be able to reduce customer service tickets and just enhance the the general customer experience. And I think sometimes people think that that's going to be something really complex and it could be, but it could be as simple as an email or it could be as complex as um, sending people through a learning management system. But there's a lot of different ways that you can leverage that external training to help um, with your, your clients as well as with the vendors that you're working with. External training is kind of a fun term. I, I So just hearing you say this, it reminded me of when I was running my consulting business, which for anyone that's new to the podcast, my consulting business was called Organized Chaos. That's where the name came from. I remember my second client ever was this marketing firm. They did like these big detailed branding projects. And when you'd work with this firm, this agency, they had a pretty specific process for, you know, we're going to do this discovery phase. We're going to go out and do some research. We're going to, um, you know, set up a meeting with you and present everything that we found. And then we're going to, you know, get your feedback and take another pass at like some the branding mood boards and everything. And so they had an inter internal process. And when I came in, one of the problems that they were having was, you know, our clients, they keep, they keep like pinging us for like, or oh, when are we going to meet next? And is it done? And, and, you know, when, when are we getting back together? And, and I said, well, do you have a process? They said, yes. And I said, well, have you showed them? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, <laughs> caught in their tracks, you know? And so when you say external training, sometimes it's really just showing our customers or our vendors, like, Hey, here's how we do things behind the curtain so that you know what to expect, right? Absolutely, yeah. In fact, my trademark lawyer that I'm working with right now, they send out an infographic that says, here's all the different stages of applying for a trademark and here's how long you can expect it to take because it takes a lot longer than you think it's going to. <laughs> and yeah. so they sent, they sent that over and then it stops me from calling them every week saying, are we approved? Where are we at? It really gets in front of some of those customer service things. They also Smart. sent me a little short video walking through, here is where you can go to find resources on our website. And here's the best way to communicate with the team. So just a little intro video and an infographic really helped to be able to set the stage and simplify the process in working with them. Yeah, I love that. I mean, just, just little videos or a little infographic. Uh, can save you a lot of heartburn for having to having to deal with you know people that don't know what to expect. And I think that's where most of the questions come from. Is you know I, if 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 I just don't know what's next in your process, I've, I'm left kind of in the dark. Like even on our our website, 
Um, I had a call this morning with a candidate that's applying for a job. And she said, I love on your website how it spells out the process start to finish of from this call to maybe getting the the job offer. And I, I think anyone externally can benefit from that kind of, you know, learning the the process, seeing the, the process transparently. Yeah, absolutely. I think also another way to be able to share that external training is to think about what are the common customer service questions that you get asked and then create training to get in front of them. Like there was a solar company that we wrote processes for and every summer they get bombarded with different customer service ticket requests because people are like, I don't know how to read my my new solar bill, you know, because um, it's not what I expected it to be at the start of the summer. And so we put together a process to say, hey, let's send out a training right before summer begins to say here, your summer bill is going to be different. Um, and let me walk you through why that is and how it works. And so being able to do that, reduce their customer service tickets by about 75% that month, just by getting in front of it. And so I think so it's really important to, to think about customers. Well, they send it to everybody that was the first time. So if this was their first summer on the program, they send it out to everybody that was the first timer. So they knew what to expect. Oh, that's, that's cool. I like that. I, I, uh, have you seen other instances of training customers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a, a marketing firm that we worked with that they said, you know, we want to walk you through kind of the back end of our process to be able to say, here's where you can find all the content that was created. If you want to add your own stuff, here's the way, here's the hashtags that we recommend that you use. And here's the style guide. So they provided us with templates, but they're saying, you know, we want to include you as part of the process and we want you to be educated as you go so that we can work together. Um, and I think that those simple little education pieces really help to be able to create that customer experience and reduce those customer service questions. Yeah, that's great. We we uh, work with Ironman, who does the you know the big triathlon races, and they 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 train all of their volunteers, like thousands of volunteers, which you don't even really think about when you're you're at these races. But it's the people like you know handing out the snack, the Gatorade and the bananas and all that, and the people passing out the medals and the people in the aid station, or the the uh, the medic stations, and they have a ton of volunteers, as many volunteers as they do racers at a lot of these events. And so training volunteers is something that just didn't have a, a, a really thorough process before. But now, you know, they package it together in our system. They send it out a week in advance. They can see if people have done it. And, uh, and it's, it's been really helpful. Yeah, I see that a lot with nonprofits, too, especially when you've got those short-term volunteers, you know, that you need to be able to train in mass, but also in instances where you have volunteers that have a high level of turnover. Um, it takes, you know, you don't want to take a full-time position just to train the volunteers as they come in. So having that built-in training can be really helpful. Yeah, I, I remember I had the the worst volunteer experience when I was, it was like right when when all these like uh, the, the vaccine stuff was starting to come out. And I, I volunteered at this one place just to, to help out with like distribution and the car flow and all this. And I remember showing up that morning, it was like 5 a.m. And the police officer there just kind of like gave me a flashlight and was like, stand here. And that was my entire training, <laughs> you know, like, and so as the day went on, people are like sopping and asking me questions. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. You go, go ask somebody else. And, and I was kind of like laughing at just the, the irony of the situation. Like I got zero training to be in this situation and I felt useless. And so, you know, it's, it's uh, it was a good reminder that like 
anytime people are feeling like they don't know what's going on, how can you be more proactive to show them what they need to know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I see that, especially I was thinking about volunteering in my in my kids' classrooms at their school. And you go in and some of the teachers are like, hey, here's your checklist. Here's what we want you to do. And sometimes you go in and they're like, I don't, I don't know. You're like, well, I took time to be here, you know, so it's, it's helpful to be able to have those trainings. But I think a lot, sometimes we do more training externally than we realize, though. I think um, things like before client calls, you know, if you're sending people an agenda and being able to say, here's what you need to do to prepare for the call and here's what we're going to be discussing and who needs to be there. That is a form of little mini training that I think a lot of people are sending out that they could probably beef up to reduce some of the problems that they're having with meetings. Um, or like a meeting reminder, um, like the one that you sent me for the podcast. I loved it. It had instructions of here's all the things you need to do to your computer to prep for the call. And I think those things are a form of external training to get us ready. So totally, totally. We, we made a whole training for any contractor that we bring on any, any kind of vendor. Um, because I think it's important when you work with a vendor to teach them about the company and the culture and how to work with your people and your communication styles and what, where you're going to correspond. Are you going to be an email? Are you going to invite them as a guest into your Slack channel? Or, you know, like these are the types of things that you can have a standard way of doing business. But I don't think a lot of companies put the effort into making vendor training or contractor training. But if you're hiring a lot of those people, why not? Yeah, absolutely. We were just reviewing one for a property maintenance company where they have a lot of vendors that come in to do repairs, um, you know, all the plumbers and electricians and painters. And so they if they didn't have a standard method and they're working with 50 different vendors on any given day, it's really complex. And so it's great to be able to train the vendors to be able to say, here's how the best way is to communicate with us. And here's what you can expect. And here's who to call if you have a problem. So I'll give you another kind of creative unique way to leverage training. Um, I actually have a trainual account for my family. I don't know if you've like ever heard of that before. Oh, I love that. But it, <laughs> it's like we, we have like, you know, our house vendors and stuff like the, like a, the landscaper, the contact info and like the, you know, the groceries and stuff and the kids school and the teacher's names and like all those common FAQs. Because like if my mom flies into town and my wife and I go on a, a trip, she's got a place to like have all the info that she needs. <laughs> so we, we have that. I love that. And then we, we also set up one for, um, we, we got like, uh, this, this cabin that I'm up at in Flagstaff. Um, we've used it for retreats and like had, you know, employees come up here. And so I also set up an account for like the FAQs about the house. So anyone that's ever had, uh, you know, stayed in an Airbnb and had one of those binders, like that's a form of training. You're, you're showing people the, the answers to the questions and when to take the trash out and like all those simple things. So I think we we probably do a lot more training than we realize. Yeah, I think so. And I think if we just view it as training, then it helps us to be able to say, oh, how can I expand on that? How can I use it to, if I'm using it for education purposes instead of just an FAQ? I think if we just shift the mindset, the quality of the training gets a lot better. Yeah, yeah training is like an experience. It, you know, how do you craft the experience of someone, you know, learning something from zero to 100? And, and so, so I, I, you're totally right. It's, it's like a intention, a more intentional way of communicating than just like, well, here's all the info. The last one I would mention that's, that I think is kind of unique. I alluded to it a little earlier, but um, we do have a formal training for any candidate that applies at Trainual. And so, yes, we have a formal process that's on our website, but when, 
they actually make it through the, the first step in the process. They get assigned content from our internal account to teach them about the company. And so we can see if someone's actually going through and completing everything, because that to us is kind of like a, it's, it's one of the hurdles that, you know, do they care enough about yeah. this company that they actually want to dig in and get engaged and learn? And it makes that, that the rest of the process that more, that much more enjoyable because then they have all this background info and they have all these questions that they can bring to the table. I love that. And it's so much better than just saying, if you read all the way to the end of this post, please write the word pool at the beginning of your application or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this way they're actually getting content and you're being able to say, okay, this person is truly interested. They're really investing themselves into the process. So I exactly. love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, practically speaking, it, this doesn't have to be like a crazy investment in creating like an entire professional course for someone. So I, I want everybody that's listening to know that it could be a, a blog post or something on a website. It could be a, you know, a public share link that you send out that, that you're not necessarily tracking everything, but it's all organized. And the, the point is that you're systematizing it. That you're you're recording these common FAQs, that you're teaching people, that you're saving yourself those inbound tickets, like you mentioned. And if you are making investments in communicating and being proactive in all these different areas, it's just going to make your business uh, run smoother or make your business simpler, as the sign behind you says. That's right. <laughs> all right. So let's pivot That's over right. to the next topic, uh, rolling out software or failing at rolling out software. <laughs> so <laughs> what prompted this? Is this something you're like dealing with right now? Um, it's something that I think a lot of the customers that I'm working with are dealing with. So anytime that you're implementing something new, you know, a software, there's a learning curve and there's, I think there's some common reasons why any new process or any new software really fails in its rollout. And some of the statistics around this are actually quite shocking. You know, some CRM statistics for like a CRM rollout has up as high as a 70% failure rate for implementation. Wow. That's huge. And so, I think there's just a lot of thought that needs to go behind a software rollout. Even if it's a really simple software to use, there, there are steps and thought that needs to go behind it to really be able to make sure that it can be used successfully and that your team knows why you're using it and how to use it. And they know what the expectations are on using it. Wow. So it, do you know, maybe you don't know, but are, are those statistics based on when someone's paid for the software and then it fails? Or is it based on just like from the, the get go of testing it? Yeah, it's based on when they've actually paid for it. Wow. So paid for it all the way through, did it implement and solve the problems that they were trying to solve? And did their team use it? Wow, that's that's insane. I'll give just a, a little bit of history or context. So when, when Trainual first started, it was uh, a different kind of trial. It was, we required a credit card to even do a trial of the software. And then after seven days, it would like send you an email and it would bill your credit card if you were still on there. You had to like proactively log back in, cancel and get out of there. And we saw a ton of customers that, you know, would be charged once or twice and then cancel because they never really used it. You know, it was like this aspirational thing where they wanted to use it and they thought about it and then they would drop to the bottom of their to-do list and it became something they never did. And so we shifted that a few years ago and made it so that no credit cards required for the trial. This way that they can kick the tires, decide if they really want it. And then if they actually want to purchase it and move forward, they put in a credit card. 
we saw kind of like a night and day shift in terms of engagement once they were in based on not having to put a credit card until they decided, yeah, I want to use this. And so I can only imagine that, you know, companies that put in that credit card, uh, that's not the end all be all. Like once you put the credit card in, now all the work starts, right? And and so that failure rate that you mentioned, that, that is crazy. So let's dig into that. Why does that happen? Yeah, I think the first problem is that people maybe didn't select the right software. And I think Mm. that there's a lot of mindset that needs to go around that. I think one of the first things that um, people get into this this space of thinking that there's going to be one magical solution that's going to fix everything that they need. The silver bullet. And oftentimes what the... Yeah, exactly. But I think sometimes what they're failing to realize is that they are wanting a software solution to fix all of their process problems. But in reality, software only manages process and software only automates process. But if you have a weak process to begin with, no software is going to fix it. Hmm. And so I think people get stuck in that mode initially with thinking that some software is going to fix it. Um, and then sometimes people get stuck in this idea that, you know, this other software, you know, the grass is greener over here. This software is going to be better. But sometimes it's really just better utilizing the tech that you already have because every software has its own strengths and weaknesses. And so it's really about identifying what do you really need? And another place that I see people getting stuck kind of mindset wise on this is thinking that I need something specific for my basket weaving industry or whatever, you know, whatever industry that they're in. But in reality, oftentimes those specific softwares um, are started by companies that are not software companies. And so I worked with a landscaping company, for example, that um, they they invested. They were like, we're going to build our own perfect magic bullet solution. And so they invested like four hundred thousand dollars into developing their own software. But at the end of the day, they ended up with something that wasn't flexible enough to even manage their own internals, their own internal things. And they were never able to launch it to outside customers because, you know, at the end of the day, they just aren't a software company. But sometimes we see these really niche softwares end up being produced by somebody that was a technician in the field and really not a software company. And so it's not as flexible as you may think it needs to be. So I think that's a myth that people think I've got to have you know, the software that's specific for my one industry, but that's not really true. I think um, there's a lot of good softwares that are more flexible than they realize. Yeah. So, so what would be like the, the counter point to that, you know, say someone needs software that is for basket weaving or for landscaping. Um, do you right. look for like case studies of those types of customers using a more horizontal mass market tool? Yeah, I think it's important to look at the case studies, but I think the first thing to do is to say, let's look at what are your must-haves? What are the processes that you're really trying to manage in the software? And what do you need to have happen? Like, what are, you know, what's the deal breakers for you? And then being able to look at the features of different softwares. And then when you see one that you think, okay, this seems to be able to check all the boxes, then to go in and start looking at for case studies on where it's been successful in those industries. I'm I'm like flashing back to when I used to do this these kind of research projects. I actually had a, a little self-published book called a hundred hacks uh, for your business or some, some version of that. I'm forgetting the title even right now. And all hundred pages were just software recommendations that I found while looking for software to solve my clients problems. But you're absolutely right that everyone wants the silver bullet. And I don't think I've seen ever in one business a company that runs entirely on one software. Have you ever seen that? 
No, I think everybody thinks that it's out there, but it's not. Yeah. yeah, I see everybody using a combination of different tools and then maybe connecting them together with, you know, different API connections or Zapier or things like that. But it, it would be really difficult. I've never found one company that has everything on one software. We use 63. <laughs> I'll share that. 63. Yeah. We, that I, is impressive. I, I actually had our, had our team pull a list like a, a couple months ago, which is why I remember that. Um, but I see software as, you know, like the, the, the way to cobble together this like, you know, robot superhuman employee that can automate all these different areas <laughs> yeah. in your business, you know? And so like when you take this $50 a month tool and this $100 a month tool and this $400 a month tool and this, you know, $17 tool and you just bundle them all together for a few thousand dollars a month, you've created your silver bullet, your, your super tool, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, if, if you set out to find something that does everything, you'll probably come up short. So maybe just laying the expectation for people, you'll probably need a handful of tools to accomplish the different things that you need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And give those tools a chance and see how they can work together. Um, one solar company that we were working with, they switched CRMs three times in two months. Oh, wow. I'm like, give it a minute. <laughs> give wow. it a minute to see if it's going to work. <laughs> so, so I think that that's important too. What do you think is like the normal adoption period? Like when you recommend a tool or something, how long do you think it takes before it's like a go or no go or, you know, they're live with the thing? Well, I think that's um, very dependent on what kind of software it is, because yeah. there's, you know, putting all the data in and tweaking it and getting it run through um, all of your beta testers and really trying to and then putting together a plan to roll it out. But I would say once you've started the training process and people have been through that initial training, um, I would say give it three months to see if it's working. Yeah. And continue to make tweaks to it because there's people have to unlearn the way that they were doing things before and relearn how to do it on the new system. And then they can give you some new ideas on how you can continue to tweak and dial it in to get it closer to what you need it to be. Yeah, that's how we think about our customers on a you know three month kind of adoption thing. We have this the internal health score that we look at, and we're always running campaigns based on you know what does their adoption look like in the first three months because you want to know that the enthusiasm that existed when they put in the credit card. Is, is hasn't totally dissipated, you know, that like there, this is still right. a problem that we want to solve in the business and we want to strike while the iron's hot, help people while this is pr a problem before they move on to other things. So I think that 90 day window sounds fair. Yeah. I think, you know, like you mentioned with having people not lose their passion and their vision for why they initially signed up to it. I think that that leads us to another reason of why a lot of software or a lot of software implementation fails. And it's because they didn't get buy-in from the employees. And I think what's hard is oftentimes the management has their own vision of what the software is going to accomplish for them. So they know what the problem is that they're trying to solve. They know what the limitations are of the software because they've done the research on it. Um, but what they need to do is to communicate that to their team to be able to say, here's the problems that we're trying to solve and here's why this is a good solution for it. And then one thing that I think is really, really impactful to be able to get your team on board with the software is to recognize the impact that it's going to have on each role and what the benefits are that are specific to that role. So essentially you're selling the software to your team, but I think it's, it's helpful if you take the time to be able to say, I recognize that this is going to change these processes for you, or you're going to have to change the way you're logging in here, but here's why 
I think it's going to be a great tool for you or why it's going to be a great tool for the business. But taking that time to do that and then be able to select some champions that can help you through that vetting process so that what you're presenting the first time looks really good. You know, you're, you're more dialed in if you've had some champions that have been able to beta test it and that they've been able to um, go into the system and kind of share the excitement around and kind of spread the word about, oh, I'm so excited for this new software that, that we're going to be rolling out. And here's what it's going to do for us. So I think, you know, sharing your vision, talking about the impact and getting champions on board is really important to help with that um, buy-in rate. You, you're, you're reminding me of a recent example where I failed implementing a software. <laughs> and so I, I, I feel like I want to share this story. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. Like you have to start with the problem and how it's going to impact each role. And when I was consulting, that's exactly how I used to approach it is I would go into the business. I'd be talking with each person, understanding where their challenges were, things that took up a lot of time. And then I would identify and like speak back those problems and say, if we could find a way for this to be automated, would that save you a bunch of time? And they'd be like, yeah, that, that would be great. And then I would go out and do the research, find the tool, come back, and they can't wait to hear the suggestion. That sounds like the right way to do it. That's what I used to do. But now I'm, I'm as you're talking, I'm remembering like a couple months ago, an investor told me about this, this software, a specific tool, a specific brand. And it had to do with displaying kind of like interactive walkthroughs of our product on our website. And so I thought, oh, pre-trial, like that could be a really great solution for customers that want to go a little deeper, but don't necessarily need to like get into a full-blown trial. And so I just sent the website, you know, like here's the tool to, to the people. And I got met with so much resistance that's like, oh, well, this is going to mess this up on this page. And this is like, we've already got this thing in motion. And it was dead in the water. Like never, no one ever, ever even went further with, with the, the product. And I, I'm, I'm like seeing my, my past before my eyes, as you were just telling that story, realizing <laughs> that like, that's what happened. I did that wrong. I, I did not start with the problem. Yeah, that's interesting. I love that you share that. I think we all into, you know, as, as leaders in our business, it's easy to be able to say, Oh, here it is. This is the shiny object. Let's throw it in. But it's, um, just cause that's our nature, I think, as business owners. But, um, taking the time to back it up and think about it and think about how to implement it really does help with that success rate. So you mentioned the grass is greener on the other side and just kind of like, uh, tool jumping. Is there anything people can do to, to avoid that? Maybe like learn all about the tool that they do have. You know, I, I've seen some, some people just uh, that we talk to that, you know, call into support or something. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, this, this isn't working for X, Y, and Z reason. And our support team will say, well, have you tried this? And they'll be like, I didn't even know I could do that. Yeah, I think it's really helpful to talk to the customer service for whatever software you're looking at. And sometimes it's helpful to hire in a consultant who can see the bigger picture and how your software tools can integrate with each other. So that can be really helpful too, um, so that you don't get stuck in always trying to switch different softwares to manage problems, but being able to get that bigger picture. But yeah, I think it's totally worth it to dive in with customer service. And then if that doesn't handle it for you, looking at maybe hiring a consultant that can help put the pieces together. Absolutely. Always important to get a fresh set of eyes. It was how my business worked and it was how your business worked. We've hired a bunch of consultants. Um, so I, I definitely recommend getting a fresh perspective and bringing someone like you in to help make business simple. Um, let's talk real quick before we wrap up about are there different software challenges at different size businesses or different tools they should be thinking about? 
Yeah, I think there are definitely different tools. Um, sometimes when businesses start, they think I'm going to go all in, you know, and I'm going to get the the top of the level tools, but they're not really ready for it yet. And sometimes we see the opposite. So I think there is definitely tools that you need at different stages. And I don't think these are hard and fast rules, but I think when you're still in development phase, um, I see a lot of people there, you know, existing off from spreadsheets to manage almost everything, which is okay, you know, at that, at that stage. But then when do you get into more of the startup and you're starting to hire people? You know, there's some basics that you've got to have. You know, you've got to have accounting software um, and an email service provider. Um, I recommend a task management tool and a CRM. Um, if you're doing time tracking, you know, you need a tool for that. And then somewhere to, you know, manage your documents like Google Suite or Office 365 or something like that. And then maybe moving into a communication tool like Slack. I think those are really helpful when you're in that startup phase. Um, and then as you go into that growth and expansion phase, I think that's where it's time to say, okay, let's look at help ticket software. You know, what help desk stuff do we need? And, um, you know, we need a, a more robust marketing software and maybe payroll um, things. And maybe that's the point where you want to implement a training system. I always recommend doing that earlier, but, but you, you know, I think it becomes really, really needed in that growth phase. Um, and maybe that's where you want to look at, you know, HR software or maybe an ERP. But I think, again, I, those aren't really hard and fast rules. I think you can, um, different businesses have different needs, but I think it's important to think about what stage am I in and what do I really need right now? Yeah. I think about it in kind of like a, a really simplified, five different categories where the first one is communication tools. Like when you're just a, a handful of people doing work together, maybe all you really need is like the email and the chat and just like, we can just live communicate about everything that we're doing. But then as your business gets more complex, you can't just manage everything real time. And so at that point you need a project management or task management tool. Like how do we, capture the backlog of work that needs to happen and coordinate asynchronously. And then as the business gets even bigger and you're doing like repeat jobs for those customers, then you want to start to manage the customer relationships. And that's where you need like the, the CRM or, or the marketing tools. And as your business gets a little bit bigger, now it's like, well, how do we fine tune our margin and where are we spending our money? And now you need like the financial tools and then that fifth bucket is like, well, how do we really invest in our employee experience and train people and up-level our people and make sure the knowledge is easy to find? And, and that's where people tend to run into tools like ours. So I think we both said basically the same thing in just kind of like slightly different ways, but uh, hopefully that's helpful for, for everyone to hear about, think about like what, what they might need in the business. And on that note, when they do need knowledge and training kind of tools, um, I heard you were working on some kind of template, right? Yeah, um, I created a template within Trainual that walks people through how to develop a software rollout plan. So all of the little steps to take, um, some checklists there and things to think about to make sure that whatever software it is that you're implementing, that it's going to it's going to have a high level of adoption. And so it'll, it, it's just great. It walks you through how to fill everything out um, and really make sure that you have a solid plan and be able to get your team on board. And is that a link that they need or they just search for it in the product? So it's in Trainual um, on the template. So they will just be able to search for it in the templates. Okay. And just search for you or search for software rollout, something like that? Uh-huh. Yep. It should be the software rollout plan. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, Aaron, this was fun. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more about Business Made Simple? 
Yeah, I'd love to um, communicate with people on our website. So our website is business-made-simple.com. Awesome. Business-made-simple.com. Aaron Matthew up in Utah. Amazing conversation. Thanks so much for the tips about the unique ways to use and leverage training. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, and it was also fun digging into my own flaws and ways that I was not able to launch software <laughs> at my own company, <laughs> at my software company. So thank you for highlighting that for us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. Hey, thanks for listening to Organized Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share it with anyone in your network that you think could benefit from this information. For episode show notes, podcast recaps, and tons of other small business news and inspiration, check out the manual. That's trainual.com backslash manual.